You're listening to the Bug Bucks Podcast, hosted by Alan Draper and Eric Bassett. Each week, they'll discuss ways to scale and grow your pest control company with a goal of helping you become a bug money millionaire. I think there's kind of two different price increases that most people think about. The first one, which is should be a across the board constant thing that you do, which is every season you kind of reevaluate and you think, mm. okay, this is what I was charging for my initial and my regular services last year. How much should I charge for my initial and regular services starting this season? Right. And that's pretty easy to do if you're a seasonal type of pest control company. For people down in some of the southern states or Texas or Florida, we don't really technically have an off season. Might be a little mm-hmm. different. Mm-hmm. So that's price increase number one. You should always be doing that because if mm-hmm. you aren't regularly increasing your prices over time, then you're really battling against inflation. The second one is going to be whether or not you want to increase the prices that your existing customers are already paying. Hey everyone, welcome to the Bug Bucks podcast. I'm your host, Alan Draper. I've got my man, Eric Bassett here with me. What's going on, Eric? Hey, Alan. Not too much. Just plugging right along. Summertime, man. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. We've got a cool topic that we're going to cover today. Before we get into that, I wanted to remind everyone, number one, make sure that you join our PCO group, our pest control owners group on Facebook. There's lots of great advice. It's a great platform to give and receive feedback on how to improve your pest control company, especially on how to scale it. Our group is called Bug Bucks, B-U-G-B-U-X. Make sure to request to join that group and then answer the questions and we'll get you added in there. This month, we are giving away a bed bug kit that contains three separate products and then it also has some equipment in there with it some temperate, some tempo dust, some other things, some other goodies in there. So it has some really good goodies in there and we're running a little competition. So every time that you leave a review and share an episode of our podcast and screenshot that, send it on that thread, you get an entry and we will be choosing the winner at the end of this month. So that's TBD. But that's a cool little kit, Eric. It's, I think, valued at like four or 500 bucks, somewhere in that neighborhood. So not a bad little yeah, man. bonus for sharing some good information with your pest control buddies. Yeah, dude. Gotta love free for giving away good info. Yeah. So, well, that's awesome. How about we get right into it, Eric? Let's get right into it. Today, we're going to be talking about price increases. And, you know, there's a lot of that going on right now, which makes sense. The dollar's not going as far as it used to for a couple of reasons. The government printing mass amounts of cash definitely doesn't help. You know, as PCOs, we're also faced with the rising gas prices. That hits us real hard because we use so dang much of it, just providing the service. And I've noticed it, Eric, on my P&L. Today, I was reviewing my June financials into month and year-to-date financials through the end of June. And it's cool to use metrics and data to manage your business because it's clear. It looks at you right in the face, stares you right in the face. And I'm seeing that. I'm seeing the our cost of labor 
is going up, right? Because our people need to survive. So they need pay increases with what's going on with inflation. I've seen our fuel prices go through the roof. And to survive, there's really only two things that you can do because I would not be somebody that would recommend that you would take your net profit margin, like let that drop. I I would not be a proponent of that. I don't think that's a good idea for a couple of reasons. So those two options are one, increase prices, two, decrease costs. Sometimes we think this is rocket science and it's not. I love, Eric, maybe my favorite financial statement is the P&L. So it's an income statement that shows me line by line, has all my line items on there. It shows me year to date what my total raw dollar amount is spent on that. And then right next to that raw dollar amount is the percentage that that line item is of my gross sales. So it's a percentage of gross sales. And then right next to that year-to-date column, I have last year to date. Mm -hmm. I know that's a mouthful, but hopefully that's clear what I'm looking at there. Well, and it's so important to be able to read a P&L and understand how it's correlating with what you're pulling in as far as sales and revenue, because you're going to watch these numbers steadily increase as costs increase. And being able to see that and understand, okay, you know, are my sales increasing as these costs increase? Are my profits increasing as these other costs increase? You know, obviously they're as costs increase, profits usually going to decrease unless you can, you know, counteract that with increasing your prices. And I think there's kind of two different price increases that most people think about. The first one, which is should be a across the board constant thing that you do, which is every season you kind of reevaluate and you think, mm. okay. This is what I was charging for my initial and my regular services last year. How much should I charge for my initial and regular services starting this season, right? And that's pretty easy to do if you're a seasonal type of pest control company. For people down in some of the southern states or Texas or Florida, we don't really technically have an off season. Might be a little Mm -hmm. different. Mm -hmm. So that's price increase number one. You should always be doing that because if Mm -hmm. you aren't regularly increasing your prices over time, then you're really battling against inflation. The second one is going to be whether or not you want to increase the prices that your existing customers are already paying. And honestly, I'll be honest with you guys, that was something that we fought against as a business for probably the first uh, six years. And we used to tell customers, you used to say, hey, we're not going to raise your prices while you're with us. And it took us about six or seven years before we had to eat our words and actually start doing that. Because you realize, you look at some of these customers that were sold and their door sales, they were sold like 10 years ago and they are cheap. They're so cheap Hmm. and they're expensive. And these customers who are usually paying the least oftentimes complain the most, have the highest reservice rates, you know, so they're the most expensive customers and they're paying the least. And you're like, dude, I've got to do something. So that's price increase number two, which is increasing the cost or increasing the price of your existing customer base. Yeah, I look at it as there's two ways to increase prices. One is to be proactive about it and the other is to be reactive. And there's a little bit of a stigma about raising prices and some people 
And I did too, Eric, you mentioned that you fought against it and I get that a hundred percent. And what it really comes down to, especially in the economy that we're facing right now, and I don't want to spend too much time talking about kind of the theory behind it. I'd like to focus more on the practical aspects of raising prices, but I did want to mention that, you know, there's nothing immoral about it. And what it comes down to is, am I going to be able to increase pay for my people and stay competitive and keep the margins that we need in order to keep a profitable business? That's what it comes down to. It's not whether it's moral or not. And technicians need to be paid more. We see this all the time about, hey, how do I find technicians? How do I find good help? It's so hard. And now pay isn't everything. It is a factor in the calculation. So kind of going back to what I was saying about, you know, two types of price raises, proactive and reactive. Number one is I would recommend that there is an ongoing kind of repeated and consistent price raise with whatever system that you use. We do it regularly. So we raise prices for a percentage of all of our customer base that is not in contract, right? You can't raise them in contract because you've already contracted for that period of time, right? But a percentage of our customer base, we raise every year so that for whatever that percentage is, every single year, we're raising prices, at least for some of our customers. That's the proactive. Now, I think if regardless of what your proactive measures are, my guess is that there needs to be some reactive because of the crazy amount of inflation and what's going on in the economy right now. I don't know that people could have or should have been raising prices to account for that so that they're caught up now. Because if you did it before, I think it might've been too much. And that's why reactive price raises, they're okay. They are okay. I want everybody to know that. Look around, look at the cost of groceries, look at the cost of fuel, look at the cost of real estate, although that appears to be leveling off in some markets. It's okay. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. And people understand that generally, especially in this market. So let's kind of get beyond that and talk about the right way to do it, Eric. Absolutely. I'm glad that you brought that up. Thing number one, if you're listening, if you have customers who are under contract, they are not included in any of this conversation. Mm -hmm. They're under contract at the price that you have them at. However long that contract is that you set them up for is what their price is good for. Mm. So that percentage of your customer base, we're going to put those guys to the side for just a little bit. We'll come back to them later when they don't have a contract going, a current contract. And we're talking specifically a term agreement in that customer agreement that you have. And I'm glad that you kind of touched a little bit on the fact that you need to understand as a PCO that this is an okay thing to do. There's something that I want to tell you guys as PCOs that you can't really communicate to your customer, but I want everybody to understand this. If your vision as a PCO is to provide the best service for your customer, and the best service for your customer includes buying good product, having good people on staff, right? And paying those people well, then you actually owe it to your customer as mm -hmm. much as you owe it to yourself to raise their prices. Mm -hmm. I want you to understand that you owe it to your customer to raise their price. So just want to throw that out there. Now, the different ways to do it, I'm really big on communication. In my opinion, you either communicate what the expectation is ahead of time when the sale is made, or you communicate it when the price increase happens. That's kind of my philosophy. So if I'm selling a customer and we get to the part of the conversation where I'm kind of buttoning things up and I might say, hey, just so you know, just to keep up with inflation, 
Next year, we're probably going to raise your price every few dollars. We kind of do that once a year just mm-hmm. to kind of keep up with things. That allows us to perform the best service for you, keep the best people, keep the best products. Makes sense, right? And the customer goes, sure, makes sense. And I might say, we automatically do that. You'll just see it on your statement about once a year. And they go, okay. Then when that once a year time happens, maybe I send out some information, maybe I don't. But I don't feel bad if I don't because I've already told them that Mm. that's what the process is, Mm. right? So if you're going to be proactive about it, you can do it that way. If you're not going to do it that way, then the next question is, man, if this customer doesn't know that I'm going to raise their price, do I do it and see if they call in Mm. or do I not do it or do I do it? Which way do I handle it, right? Do I send information? Do I not send information and just deal with the consequences either way? Yeah. I mean, you bring up a lot of really good points. I love using that in the actual sales pitch. And the first thing that I thought of was multi-year agreements. Like you could tell them right then. And if they decide to do a two plus year agreement or whatever, that's fine if you've told them. But then when you raise prices, that gives you another opportunity to offer that fixed price for a certain period of time. I feel like a lot of people in our industry, they're proud that they don't do contracts. Yeah, we don't do contracts. We don't lock people in. This is a two-way street. They get plenty of benefit out of having, Mm -hmm. and we're seeing that right now. We're seeing that. The people that, you know, for example, last year, they signed a multi-year deal. I don't know how many years we do. We do at least two or three where we'll lock them in. They're reaping the benefits of that now. And because we cannot change their price. And so I think that's a great opportunity, one, to inform the customer, hey, there's a chance that your price might go up. And with us, it's going to go up every couple of years, just guaranteed. We just do it kind of proactively. And then two, offer them, you know, a multi-year agreement. Hey, if you don't want to, then you can, you know, go ahead and lock that rate in and be proactive about another place that you can include that information. Eric is in the agreement itself. Not a lot of people read those. It's a great idea to have that as part of the agreement, something about a potential price increase. Absolutely. A hundred percent. And I'm glad that you brought the difference between whether or not you have an agreement. And here's what's funny. If you're a PCO in the beginning, you kind of think, Hey, I'm just going to go out and sign up customers. And if I am not going to have an agreement in your mind, you're thinking term agreement where there's a specific amount of time that your customer needs to be on service, that they're committed to keeping your service, right? Mm -hmm. That's a term agreement. A customer agreement might just have information that includes what pests you're servicing, when you service, right? What the schedule is and what your limitations of liability are, which are actually really important. Mm -hmm. So maybe you don't have a term agreement as part of your actual customer agreement, but you should still always have something that your customer can sign and agree to as far as what you're servicing, when you're servicing and what you are putting to the side and saying, Hey, I'm not responsible for this. Right. So yeah, that's exactly right. And you know, what's, what's funny is that, sorry to cut you off there, but you have an agreement, whether everybody's on the same page or not, whether it's written or not, there is an agreement on some level of I'm going to provide this service in my mind. I'm going to take care of ants, spiders, general pests, whatever, Maybe in the consumer's mind, because you don't have it written down, they think you're going to take care of bed bugs and birds and everything else. So there is an agreement, right? Yeah. Whether you have a written one or not. So that's a great point. So it, since that's the case, you might as well get it in writing, make sure everybody's on the same page. Yeah. And just like you said, if you're going to have an agreement where you write some stuff down about what's included and what they need to know, man, 
put in a little tidbit in there about raising prices every so yeah. often to just keep up with increasing costs. Consumers understand that 100%. They understand, like you said, cost of groceries, cost of gas, cost of milk, cost of really anything goes mm-hmm. up. And pest control is just another one of those things. We like to say that we treat pest control just like any other utility, right? It's like your water, your gas, your mm-hmm. recycling and trash. Yeah. It's something that you pay for when you're in a civilized society to keep up and keep a clean home. And that's also why we kind of do monthly subscription too. Exactly. But it's all part of it, man. Yeah. I think that's a great point. I love that you said in a civilized society, like you need (laughs) pest control. All right, folks. You know, this is no longer an upgrade, especially in some markets. So let's talk for a little bit, Eric, about what that communication looks like if it happens after the sale. And I definitely have some deep rooted ideas about this, but let's kind of throw this out there. Like, let me ask you this. Do you inform your your customers that you're going to raise prices after a sell? And if so, how should it be done? So the first time that we did this, and like I was saying before, we had this big group of customers that we never increased prices on that we realized, dude, we got to have this done. So we actually sent out letters and emails and the letter had a few different parts of it. And part of it talked about our vision as a pest control company, what we wanted to accomplish. The next part of it talked about increasing costs, You know what those increased costs were going to, like good people, good products, providing the best service, et cetera. And then the other part of it talked more specifics, what the price increase was. And sometimes we do flat rate increases. Sometimes we do percentage-based increases. Whatever that was, we included it in the letter. And at the bottom, it's a big thank you for their business. We told them what their money goes towards providing jobs, you know, financial security for people who work here locally, right? And then, of course, if they have any questions, we always include our contact information, a little bit of our licensing, a little bit of a tidbit of our certifications. So that was the information that we included. And we send out letters a little bit ahead of time. I think we did letters. And then the very next week, we went into the system and started increasing those prices. Emails went out to customers that have emails. Might as well save yourself some postage if you can, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Whoever doesn't have an email gets a letter. I think the first time we did it, we actually sent out both just to cover ourselves. So that's usually our format when it comes to sending customer information on price increase. Yeah. You know, and you're going to have customers that fall into different categories with the price increase and with any communication about the price increase. First off, the price increased. You're going to have customers that do not care at all. You're going to have some customers that they're kind of like, well, what's this about? Okay, no problem. You're going to have customers that are like, okay, well, they're raising my prices. I'm not so sure how I feel about that. You're going to have customers that are like, they're raising my prices. I think I'm going to cancel. Then you have customers that are like, you're raising my prices. I'm going to cancel. You know, I'm done with this company. Mm-hmm. I think we overestimate, Eric, the number of people that fall into that very last category. I think we were so scared to raise prices because we think that number of people is large. They're not even going to give us a chance. Now, here's the kicker with price increases. And I do this also with late fees on invoices. I don't charge late fees for the actual late fee. I do it for two reasons. One, to make sure that they know that we're serious about collecting and that we're aware of their account, right? 
to get them to pay basically. And then number two, so that I have something to give them when they call in. It's the same way with raising prices. So if I have somebody that's in one of the last two categories of recognizing the price increase and they call in and they're like, what is going on? Like, I can't believe you guys are raising prices on me, you know, and now you have something to give them. Hey, Susan. And first of all, the number that are going to call in is going to be very low. And I'm going to get to that second group, the people that receive the communication and how they respond. But when they do, and you give them a chance to explain why you're raising prices, and if they're still kind of digging their heels in, Eric, that's when you're like, you know what, Susan, you've actually been a fantastic customer. I see that you've paid on time every single month. We're not going to be able to do this for all of our customers. But since you called in, you took the time to call in. I appreciate that. I'm going to go ahead and grandfather you in for another year at the rate that you were paying before. How do you feel about that, Susan? Now Susan feels like she just won the lottery, right? Absolutely. 100%. I think that last category that's like, I'm done with this company. Like, you know, I'm going to immediately cancel. I think that is less than a handful of customers. It's so true. And, you know, when we did the numbers, I mean, we're talking, you're looking at less than 1% that end up possibly canceling that you even have opportunities to talk to that call in on something like that. And we've done a full, you know, again, other than the contracted customers, a full customer base price increase before. And we talk to our sales team all the time, especially during the initial sales process. When you have a customer who has a price in their mind, and they also have value in their mind, right? And the higher that the value is above the price, that gap where the value is high, that's a buying decision. That's where they buy, right? If you have the alternative where the cost is just a little bit above the value, this is indecision. This is when they don't buy, right? Mm. Now, for the customers who get a few dollar price increase or whatever it is, something that seems pretty small, if they're like neck and neck on cost and value, and they get a little bit of a price increase, that price increase is going to bump the cost just above that value point, And they're going to call in and they're going to complain, right? They're pissed that you are raising the price $3 because they're not really bought in to the price that they currently have. And that's hmm. a value problem. It's not a price increase problem. Hmm. So if you're one of those companies that gets a lot of phone calls during a price increase, you might want to consider that some of those customers might not have been seeing the value in the first place. And the value is what needs to be resold on a regular basis. Yes. So moving forward, you got to get your technicians to talk to your customers, to show them what they're doing, provide some additional information as far as educating your customers on what the service does, why it does it, your vision, whatever you can do to raise the value so that when these price increases happen, they end up being part of that larger group that you talked about where you get a price increase and you go, Okay, yeah, that that's fine, man. You know, this company does a pretty good job. I'm good with paying a few dollars more a month or a quarter or whatever it is. I think that's an excellent point. And it's kind of just got the wheels turning for me because I'm thinking if there are those people that think that the price is a little above the value or a lot above the value, you actually want to make contact with them anyway. You exactly. really do because if you don't, they're just going to cancel regardless of a price increase. So when you send a letter out or an email and you know they're particular about you raising their price because of that gap in perceived value 
and they call in to cancel, they're giving you an opportunity to build the value back in there. Hey, now here's the reason why, right? Gives you a chance to resell. Now, because of that, you want to make sure your people that are taking these phone calls are sharp and they're trained, but Mm -hmm. it gives them a chance to resell the customer and explain exactly what's going on. Hey, did you know that you were actually covered for this pest or that pest or any type of ant? Or did you know that we cover carpenter ants? Or did you know that we sweep your eaves? Or did you know that we, you know, treat three feet up, three feet out all the way around your foundation or whatever it is, you're going to be able to resell this customer and they are giving you the opportunity. And this opportunity is coming from that price increase. Absolutely, man. And just like you said, People are scared of price increases, one, probably because they're very unfamiliar with it. They've never done it. And they are worried about the perceived PR nightmare that comes along with price increases. But just like you said, you get the huge opportunity to talk to these customers who you probably wouldn't have talked to anyway, and their time is ticking. They're going to call in and cancel. Mm. Now you get to talk to them and you have a one last chance to do it, right? Mm. Mm -hmm. And worst case scenario from a profitability standpoint, if you do a price increase properly, you will always come out on top money-wise, right? If you do it right. And if you think about it, you are raising the price of these customers. The people who are probably going to call in the most or complain the most are probably the lowest paying customers. Mm-hmm. Worst case scenario, if you cancel those accounts, right? Then you will gain, still gain money with the increase on the other accounts. And you no longer have to service those cheap accounts that you were before. Exactly. So it's actually worth more to you to cancel out those cheap accounts and increase the price on those good accounts, it always works out in your favor. You just have you to know make sure you do it right. Yeah. And you know, what's interesting is that, you know, there's the 80-20 rule or the 90-10, whatever it is, where mm-hmm. it's those bottom customers are taking up that percentage of your resources. And my goal with my company is always figure out who is where. And when you raise your prices, it becomes <laughs> very clear who's in that 20%. Yep. And so they're giving you, if there's not this opportunity to save them, they're giving you an opportunity to identify who they are. And here's a newsflash for everybody. Not everyone should be your customer. If you think that everyone should, I mean, you're wrong and you're just not with reality. That's just not the case. I don't want everybody. There's a certain group of customers that we target, and those are the customers that I want. Now let's say Eric that a communication was sent or it wasn't because you're going to have I talked about how there's the second group of people that are going to treat the communication differently. A big bulk of your customers are not even going to read the email from you. I don't know what that percentage is, but it's fairly high. They won't even open it. Some of them won't even see it. Might go to spam whatever. It's perfectly fine. Some might read it and not care, some might you know, care about it and reach out to you. You know, you gave the worst case scenario regarding them reacting to the price increase. I'm Mm going to give the worst case scenario after a price increase happens and they're already charged the additional amount. Yes. It's going to be very similar to the group that calls in and you get to, you know, grandfather them in at the old rate. You immediately apologize. You know, we tried to send this or... Whatever the case is, if you didn't communicate with them, well, that's no problem, you know, and you immediately lower it and refund that money or credit it to a future payment, which is the better of the two options. 
But again, what's happening is they are getting this opportunity to, you know, give something back to the customer. And you're super cool about it. This is how we handle late fees. We're super cool about it. Hey, Susan, you've been an excellent customer. I'm really sorry that you didn't get that communication. And then you refund that money and you don't dig your heels in. And that gives you an opportunity to give something to the customer, you know, and I don't think a lot of people are going to cancel. And I don't know what the numbers are. I don't know exactly what percent are going to cancel on a price increase. It depends on longevity of the customer. It depends on the amount of the increase. Mm-hmm. It depends on how frequently they're billed, right? Because if they're billed less frequently and you raise it by a certain percentage, that amount is going to look bigger to them. Obviously, if they're paying quarterly and you're increasing it so that it's you know three bucks a quarter more, their price just went up three bucks versus if you're billing them monthly, their price just went up one buck. That's just how we think about things, right? It's per payment. Kind of going back to what I was saying, regardless of what the percentages that are going to cancel, depending on the various factors, the amount that you have raised the price for the people that don't cancel is going to more than outweigh. And here's the other thing. It is all profit. Yep. Think about it. It is 100% profit when you raise prices because you're not raising costs. So yep, hopefully 100%. some of those costs have been passed on to you know, increasing tech wages and things like that. But those things have usually already happened, especially in a reactive price raise. But think about it like that. I'm not increasing any of my costs here. So if I have a couple drop off, that's okay. Yeah. We talk about costs associated with doing something like this. You know, when we send out letters, you know, we're paying a mailing company to, you know, print the letter, stuff the letter and postage and envelopes and everything else. I mean, maybe you pay anywhere from 50 cents to a dollar per customer to send out something like that, right? Emails are free 99, free 50 free. So that's pretty great. So we're talking about the cost of doing this are pretty low. One thing that you need to consider, and this is something that always comes up every year, Alan touched on making sure that your people are trained um, and you have sharp people that are answering these phone calls. Because if you don't, not only will your customers have a bad experience, but your staff will have an equally bad experience. You owe it to your staff to make sure that they have the tools and the training necessary to handle these types of calls because emotionally, they will have a very, very tough time. And I guess it kind of goes back to this philosophy of, you know, do I tell my customers I'm going to do a price increase or don't I? And maybe I can give you this example if that helps. If you had a client that you were servicing, right? And you're thinking to yourself, dude, I should add this bait station to this client's house because he does not have enough bait stations and the rodent problem is going to be pretty bad if I don't add this bait station. And you charge for bait station addition, say 15 bucks, right? If I'm the type of person where I'm going to add that bait station and call him and leave him a message and just say, hey, John, just want to let you know I added a bait station. I think it's a really good addition. It's going to help with the rats and the mice. It's going to be $15 added to your bill. If you have any issues with that, let me know and we can work it out. But I think it's going to be a fantastic addition for you. Thanks. This is Eric. Talk to you later. And you click, right? You hang up the phone. If you're the type of person who makes that phone call, then you are also the type of person who lets all your customers know you're doing a price increase. If you're the type of person who doesn't make that phone call, just adds a bait station, adds $15 to the invoice and doesn't do anything about it, just lets the customer pay it without any kind of indication, that's fine. 
you're probably the guy who doesn't do a price increase notification, right? Mm-hmm. But you just have to ask yourself what kind of what kind of person you yeah. would be in that scenario. But if you are the type of person who doesn't give out information to customers, the response you're going to get from those angry customers in regard to your staff and the way that your staff can respond to those people is going to be very different. Mm. When you have a price increase notification, your staff has some ammo, right? They can say, oh, Jim, I'm so sorry. Were you able to get the letter that we sent or the email that we sent about the, the price increase? And if Jim says, no, I didn't get it, you know, then at least he knows we sent something. But if he calls in angry and we go, sorry, Jim, but we had to raise our prices, his next question is going to be, why didn't you freaking tell me? Mm. Right. And even if he doesn't believe that, he's going to use it as ammo against your team, which is really tough. So for a lot of reasons, those being part of it, I prefer to do price increase notifications. Yeah. No, I think you brought up a couple of really good points. Here's some things to think about as we're wrapping up here, Eric. Number one, if you're the type that sends out notifications, right? Like in your scenario that you gave us, which I think is spot on. But if you're the type of person that wants to send out the notifications, you're going to get more calls, but the calls are going to be more amicable. Mm -hmm. Right? Hey, I saw this, you know, you still might get some that don't catch it until after the charge. Then they see it. Then they're like, why the heck did you notify me? And you're like, well, we kind of did. So if you send out notification, you're going to get more calls, but they're going to be more amicable. If you don't send out notifications, you are going to get fewer calls, but the ones that you do get are going to be less amicable. And if you get those types of calls, immediately backpedal. Hey, you know what, John? That is a fantastic suggestion. It looks like we dropped the ball here, maybe. I'm just going to immediately reduce that to the old price, which I think you'd be okay doing. So that's kind of weighing those factors. The last thing I want to add is we're wrapping up here, Eric, is that you brought up a really good point. Like, hey, make sure your folks are trained. Hey, we're sending out this. Everyone's on board. Communicate, communicate, communicate with your team, with your sales guys, with your techs. Mm -hmm. Communicate with your techs too. Let's forget these transactions. This communication could happen in person too, but also explain it to them. Yes. Explain it to them. Your staff is not made up of two or three-year-olds where it's like, mom, why are we doing this? Because I told you so. Explain (laughs) it to them. Help them understand why. A lot of them are going to make assumptions, especially with what's going on with inflation right now. They know that stuff is more expensive. Groceries are more expensive. Gas is more. They know. But take the time to explain it to everybody. Hey, guys, this is why we're doing this. We're not doing it because we're greedy. You know how you like to get paid, you know, commensurate with your performance? We need to keep the company at a certain level of profitability in order for this business to work, in order for us to continue our growth trajectory and all of these things. So spend some time so that they get, oh, and by the way, this is very reasonably priced for the service that we provide so that you get people that are behind you that are taking these phone calls that are talking to the customers on their doorsteps so that when guess what? They're going to get asked why. Mm-hmm. And it would be really nice. And that's kind of, I think, part of the training and building the value in the service, but making sure that they understand why you have them in your corner versus I've been at stores or whatever. And I'm like, man, this is expensive. And then the clerk or whoever it is where they have the opportunity, which by the way, this is expensive or, you know, Hey, I got my price increased. What that translates into is 
hey, why the price increase? Hey, why is this so expensive? This is, it's me inviting yep. as the consumer, me inviting somebody to explain it to me. But I've been in scenarios where they're like, yeah, I know it's really expensive. Sorry, I don't know why. I, I apologize. And that's what we don't want. From our yeah, exactly. Like, and the one thing, I don't know what the average age range for all these other PCOs out here is for your staff. Our average age range for a lot of our people are anywhere from 18 years old to like, 22, 23, 24 years old, you know, it's in that age range. And those are also people who probably aren't buying pest control. You know, they're not spending a lot of money on a lot of different things. Mm -hmm. And so when you talk about raising prices on something that they, in their own young adult minds think is already an expensive thing, it can be kind of bothersome. And you want to make sure that you provide number one, a vision and number two context, right? We talk about vision all the time. If you let them know why you're doing the price increase and how it ties into your vision, we want to be the best pest control service provider in our area, whatever your vision is. And the context, right? Hey, this helps us provide well-paying jobs. It helps us provide the benefits that everybody enjoys. It helps us provide the best products, which keep our reservice rate low, which keeps our customers happy. Here's the context, right? And once you explain the context to some of these young adults and some of their staff members, it really, really helps when that comes to those conversations with customers, you know, it gives them some ammo, right. And allows them to say, Hey, Mr. Customer, thank you so much for calling in. I'm really glad you called. I totally understand what you're saying. You know, here's what's going on. Let me explain. Right. Huge difference. Yep. hundred percent. Well, honestly, Eric, I think we've given a lot of great things to the PCO to think about. And there's a lot that goes into it. At the end of the day, every pest control company is different. They have different customer bases and different personnel and different systems. And so I think it's great to see what works and tweak it. Try something and tweak it. Get feedback from your people and from the customer base and listen to it. And at the end of the day, your price really does need to be commensurate with the service that you're offering. So yeah, fantastic conversation. For those listening, make sure to join our group. And if this, if this could help somebody, a buddy in the industry that's trying to build their pest control company, trying to scale it, trying to make sure that they're maintaining that profitability that will help them fulfill this vision, reach this vision that Eric was just talking about, make sure to share it with them. That's the best way that you can kind of give back to us for you know producing this free content. So make sure that you join our Facebook group. It's B-U-G, B-U-X, Bug Bucks. And we'll catch you on the next episode. Thank you so much for listening to the Bug Bucks podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please show your support by subscribing and leaving us a five-star rating. Thank you. And we'll catch you on next week's episode.